1: Welcome to the Ore Podcast, powered by Sportsman's Empire, where we celebrate the hunting and fishing lifestyle through the utilization and consumption of our wild game. No egos. Fork in hand, beer in the other. No status. A piece of red meat on a hot grill and turn it into a burnt offering. Just catch it, cut it, cook it. This is episode 141, Getting a Moose to Michigan with James Zandstrom. On this episode of Huntivore, Nick is joined by James Zanstra of the Fair Chase Podcast. This past fall, James went on an epic adventure, hunting a moose in BC, Canada. On top of that, determined to bring the whole moose back to his own freezer here in Michigan, all by driving. While finding and shooting the moose was one way up the mountain, getting the prize back home is the way down. If you are thinking about a bountiful long-distance hunt, then this is an episode for you. Lots of heavy hauling on this episode of Huntivore. Well, hey folks, beautiful evening here in Michigan. Yeah, a little change of pace. We are on the meltdown and sort of, sort of. We're still getting precipitation got ourselves a good tenth of an inch of ice not enough to really mm-hmm. impede on any daily activity other than uh yeah off of school today uh i, I don't know they did you know how, you didn't have school today we didn't have school today uh oh. did did others nice yeah yeah
0: did lowell have school uh, you know, my daughter's homeschooled, so she doesn't even understand
1: the beauty of. She doesn't understand the, of, the beauty of, of staying day. home for a day.
0: So yeah, lame, no, we went Monday, lame and uh,
1: yeah, we had a couple days off uh, with the the big dump and the frigid temps, and then today was ice. It was, but it wasn't as fun of a snow day. Um, no. I will tell you, we'd had a little bit of an adventure. Um, kids were going to go to the cousins and it's merely just a walk through the woods to go to the cousins and uh my dog went out with me the one dog that we've got he uh he ended up get bagging a squirrel he grabbed a squirrel that was just <laughs> on the ground doing its thing brings it to us and i think the thing's dead at this point i grab hold of the tail and that thing turned around and looked right at me and I'm like, oh, dang, we have now got a squirrel who who's feeling the fight or flight, and I don't know which direction he wants to go. The boys were all huddled up. The dog was there. There was just a lot that could have happened. Um, the squirrel did grab hold of my hearts. And I tell you what, those things are little bodybuilders. They grab onto, yeah. when they grab onto something, I mean, shoot, their life hangs in the balance when they're climbing trees. So this little sucker's got grip. I yanked him off my... Uh, Carharts, and there was a small sapling tree and I tried to cuff his head and smack him on that thing it took a couple cuffs for him to uh finally expire you get him though you you put him down I I put him down uh he's uh he's gone um so there was the thought of like well hey did did we just bag a squirrel with the family pet I figure that's gonna that's gonna be an awesome kudo, uh, but the dog was relentless in his pursuit. That was he was not going to share. He was proud of that one. I set it down <laughs> for a mere like couple minutes, and uh, the dog laid claim. It is it is somewhere. <laughs> I don't know where it is, but it is somewhere in the woods. Uh, yeah, Bo has got his trophy and in his trophy spot. So, but anyway, that, that was our. That's statement.
0: funny.
1: I, I um. To, uh, p- squirrels are
0: very tough and i'm sorry to jump and knock this all off course but like i have now twice in my life this fall was the second time been out in the woods and i've just seen a tr- uh, squirrel i'll just be looking and you just see it f- it's all falls out of a tree right and so all of a sudden you'll just hear <laughs> just falling. falls right on the like the forest floor <laughs> and what i learned I, i'm like holy cow that thing has to be dead and right and, like it shakes itself up and takes off but like given their weight to mass ratio or something like that. They don't fall fast enough to like, you know, crush their bones. And I don't remember how far no. you can
1: technically like drop a squirrel and it won't die. That is very interesting. I like, is that like with wood ducks, like the ducklings, when they kick them out, they literally flop yeah, off the exactly. tree. They weigh nothing. They just, I mean, the yep. the fluff on the ground will have enough or yeah, or their body just slows down enough that they don't even. Yeah. I
0: don't... I've not, you know, I actually think Jared, uh, Jared has the same thing. I've seen him fall out of trees before and like never broken a bone. He just kind of bounces and like pops right back up. So I, I think there's a weight to, to mass ratio there. He's got a lot of mass and just not enough weight behind it, I guess.
1: Gotcha. Well, hey, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, we are on uh, on tonight with James Zanstra of the fair Chase podcast. Thank you so much James for for coming on. I love our little tangent with the uh, with the small game there. what has what has your winter been like since the new year? Have you had a chance to get out and pursue anything or have you been buckled down with the beginning of the year goal setting either with your show or even just you know day to day with work? What has been the start of year 24 been like? So, um, yeah,
0: I mean, I've, I've been out, uh, doing a little bit of just kind of half scouting, half, like I'll do like a, like a training program for whatever. It's like a, like a hunting specific training program. It's like a lot of it will have, um, like ruck. Type movements so you load weight in a backpack and and that's you know a couple of the days so i'll like double that up as like a scouting trip or just like checking out new spots um kind of w- where i like to hunt one of the areas that i like to hunt so i like to just you know this time of year try to stack up more spots that i could maybe check out again in the spring and then potentially hunt in the fall um, lots of planning um planning just projects for the new year Um, getting kind of partnerships going there so on on the fair chase and the hunting stuff side um, a little bit of everything getting bows set up now you know uh, we always end up with some sort of new new bow in hand and so you know getting that going
1: shooting that a bit Um, so yeah just kind of a little bit of everything at this point excellent excellent yeah just a grab bag of whatever's available and what seems to be they're in front of you. You just take care of. That's good. That's as good. long as
0: it has to do with hunting, like, I just want to do that. So, <laughs> as, like, if it's as long as it's remotely related, like, I'll probably, you know, at, at
1: one point in the day be doing it. So, yeah, whatever it is, I don't really care. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, what, the reason I have you on tonight is, yeah, for us to catch up, but at the same time, you had an epic adventure <clears throat> in 23 where you had yep. the opportunity – Uh, to head up to Alaska and do a bucket list adventure Um, we've talked about moose before but you actually had a chance to go after a moose in British Columbia give us the 10,000 foot view of what it took to get up there and actually get on that moose
0: Yeah, so um, moose was on my radar going into that year, was planning on, actually planning on this fall, the fall of 24, to head to Newfoundland uh, to do do a moose hunt there. Uh, Got a good referral to a place and got a deposit down. By the way, my deposit's still good, so if you are looking to go moose hunting, I've got a, you know, they'll honor it for any friends and family that I in their way so oh, nick there's yeah. no excuses man I, I got you covered we'll talk after the show
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: but planning on that um and then planning was planning on you know probably just doing like a cow elk hunt with joe and i um, out in montana and so getting ready for that um got a last minute call from uh worldwide trophy adventures or uh, wta um kind of like a, a hunting it's like a booking agency. Almost. They do a lot of figuring for you. So help you with travel details and, and everything else. It's really a sweet deal. So anyways, they call me, and they and say, Hey, we've got you're this. You're going job. WTF that you call WTA. <laughs> WTA. Yeah, exactly. It's actually more of a good thing than the WTF, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I'm uh, so I'm, I get a call from them and they're like, Hey, you know, we got this uh, cancellation hunt, uh, for British Columbia, are you interested? And I thought they were talking about the following fall. So I was like, yeah, man, I'm, you know, I'm in. They're like, Oh, it's 23. So I was like, "Oh boy. So that's three weeks away. Uh, I don't, I should probably have a conversation with my wife, you know, check, make sure that's fine. Um, and we, we were planning on filming it. So it's like, all right, now I have to call my camera guy and, you know, I do this to him, a lot lately where it's like a last minute like hey how do you feel about and then you just drop some bomb on him right and so this spring we did it to him for like a bear hunt in alaska now this fall i was like hey uh how do you feel about going away for like i think we are gone 13 12 13 days something like that how do you oh feel about goodness. spending some time away from your family and filming me in british columbia and he was in which he's such a cool guy um not a hunter by like you know, no hunting history, but he's just game. So I I love him for that. Uh, Just always down, always down to learn new things. And so it's just, I like people like that. It's tough. So anyways, so he was in and it's like, okay, well, I mean, the details WTA really manages pretty well. um, But how do I get the meat home? I had known, you know, going hunting in places like Alaska, they'll have these, I want to say it's called Alaska Trophy Express or something like that where you'll basically you'll pay them they'll load your your meat on and your your cape and your skull or whatever you decide to keep on a semi-truck that's refrigerated and in october after hunting season's kind of done in alaska they'll they'll travel the continental united states and you meet them in certain cities along the way so i was like sweet you know uh, I'm going to find that for, for British Columbia because <clears throat> the moose is a big thing and I'm not, I'm not going out there and, and not bringing meat home. You know, I, I otherwise, right. you know, you, I feel like I couldn't even look at you in the eye, Nick, and tell you, I didn't bring <laughs> some moose meat home. I would have felt wrong. I was
1: gonna, you know, I would, yeah, there would be some definite hostilities. I would look down <laughs> yeah. a little bit upon James, yeah. but no. I can't people. have that in my life. <laughs> right. So, um.
0: That was, I mean, so three weeks ago, I'm I was scrambling, right? I am, how do I get as much meat home as possible? Um, can't really do one of those shipping services because it's across the border of Canada. Uh, not cool with that. Um, tried looking into flying with it, and you can you can make that work. You can freeze some of it, and you technically, I guess, could just check the whole moose. It's pretty expensive, um, and so I was initially planning on going that route and just taking as much couple hundred pounds a meter, whatever I could try to figure out to get on the plane. Yeah. Um, layovers were tricky with that, with the only flight that I had available three, three weeks ahead. So I went ahead and bought the flights and then got thinking like, man, I, there's gotta be a better way. Um, and ended up talking to a buddy of ours. Um, his name's Christian Schaff, who uh, owns, um, kind of a survival company. And He's like, hey, I drove from Montana to British Columbia. I think Montana, wherever he lives out west, to to uh, British Columbia. He's like, it was a long drive, but you know, I was able to bring the meat home. So I started talking to him and, and formulated kind of a plan to drive from you know the Grand Rapids, Michigan area in Michigan to uh, British Columbia. So that's that's what we did so we could bring everything back with us um, and, and kind of get as much meat as we
1: could back home. Wow. So in that. In this three week window, we now are on pretty much heading. I mean, you got a, a head start, but we're looking to going across the North American continent from yeah. Michigan all the way to British Columbia with the idea. So you can't, you're not going to take a smart cart, you're not going to take uh, a Prius. We need something with yeah. enough heft that can haul upwards of shoot. Yeah you know five six hundred pounds of meat at this point Mm -hmm. man what was that trip like so vehicle you (sighs) took and yeah what was what was the game plan for for putting this together so here's the game plan right so uh Right before I left, uh, of
0: course, my car died. Not that I could have taken it, anyways. It was a Honda CRV at 2005, <laughs> and so I wasn't taking that anyways, and um, didn't have a truck. Uh, thankfully, I've got a brother who had a like a Dodge Ram, which um, so was actually it was a 2018 comfortable, comfortable truck. And um, what I did was it, it had the Ram box. It was a little smaller in the trunk, the, the bed of the, the the truck, and I threw a chest freezer. Uh, in the back, and I brought along a generator. So the idea was um, while I was driving, um, I would run the generator on the way back. So I'd get there, I'd plug the uh, freezer in. On the way back, I would run it off the generator while we drove, and then – you know, when we stopped at hotels, I would plug it in the outside. There's always outlets, uh, and hotels. And so, I mean, we loaded up and it was, a, you know, technically it's a 47 hour drive and you know you stop overnight and, you know, you get hung up and, and stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, roughly 50 hours of driving each way. So it was a whole oh long, long drive. Uh, but I was kind of prepared, um, that's that spring or early summer of that year, my wife, my daughter and I actually drove to Newfoundland. so kind of the other opposite coast of uh, Canada. And so that was a that was a 30 some hour drive doing that. Um, so I was a little bit warmed up. We do a lot of driving. It's not so bad. I don't mind it as much. you know if you had Jared or Joe from from our team here, they are like, driving averse and they give me like the hardest time for anytime we are, we are going on a hunt I'm always like well we, we could drive you know we could bring all our stuff and stop whenever we want and they're like well we could be there in four hours you know why would we you know so you know I usually lose that battle but I don't mind driving um, <laughs> it was a long drive and, and me and my camera guy split it up pretty well
1: so went pretty well good deal good deal so yeah we've got we've got a, we got a, a pickup truck going we've got yeah chest freezer full eight foot chest freezer or what what cubic size this was, was so
0: i have the full the f- big dog at my yeah. house couldn't fit that in and so i used my brothers who got it from my grandma when she moved out of her house and that has to be uh what a five or five six footer like gotcha hardly yeah you know, i think a five footer maybe
1: Something like that, not a giant, yeah. but not a small one. Got gotcha. you right in that midway. Yeah, probably probably a six footer. But man, yeah, so that was the idea. Get the moose inside the six footer, footer at least get him broken down, like least the quarters at that point. Um, mm-hmm. Going in, were you already anticipating this is going to have to be boneless, or <laughs> could you could you take bone in quarters and stick those in there, or was it one of those? I, I don't know the regulations coming from Canada yeah. to the United States. Was that a full bone out of of that? Going to going to have to be a bone out of that animal. Yeah,
0: I I mean I would have loved to take some bones back to do broth and um, different things with. Um, and I actually kicked myself. I wanted to do some cooking with the marrow while we were out there, um, but with just the chaos of the hunt and it was raining and we were in a swamp, whatever. Um, didn't end up getting to do that. Um, And so we, we really kept, we boned it out um, really by necessity for where it died, for how far from the river it died. Um, So just getting the, just the logistics of getting the meat from kill site to camp are, it's just complicated. And so, yeah, uh, yeah, we boned it out um, really in the field. So yeah, I would have loved to have more b- bone with me, but I, I kind of imagined I wouldn't bring it home just so I can maximize how much we fit fit in the freezer.
1: Gotcha. So yeah, we get to the hunt, and you were just leading up a little bit of it. Um, right there is that when when you went for this for this bull elk, it, was it as much of a chess match where? you guys came in for like you guys went in for it but then at the same time you called to have him come back there was this ebb and flow you found yourself pretty much a ways away from and you mentioned the river you're you're miles away from this river that was essentially going to be your highway this was going to be your way out yeah how'd that that hunt go
0: yeah basically what you do is you hop on a um like a, a boat that they they kind of build out to be able to just smash rocks. Like it's like a it looks like almost like a j- flat bottom like John boat, but they'll throw like Teflon or whatever the stuff is underneath the boat. This they actually oh. specially built had this boat built for this just trips up the river because it beats the crap out of stuff. And so you get in you go you are in that boat and in the more you walk well you hike, we hiked probably between a quarter and a half mile to the boat from camp just because we couldn't get it down to where we were because of rocks and stuff in the water we take that up 45 minutes at least you know over an hour of cruising upstream just you know miles and miles and you know in the most beavers i've ever seen Um, anyway so we get up there you get to a basically a meadow that you want to look over and we would climb climb up a mountain and just glass all day i mean it's it's like like, like, I don't know if you're mule deer hunting or if you're bear hunting in the spring, it's it's very similar. It's just like you go and you, you glass and you see, wait for him to come out. Um, so we were earlier, we were the first group that they took that year. So right, right leading up to the rut. And um, so you, you know, with the first couple days it was a little slow. We saw some moves, actually the first boat ride up to our spot we're in the boat for 20 minutes and we come around a corner and there's a 40 inch moose standing in the middle of the river. And right. So like I'm going in and I've been very clear with my guide at this point, like I'm not picky. Yeah. Uh, I know most of your clientele are pretty picky. Uh, I'm a, you know, I like to kill things and like to eat things. So like, I want to get, I, you know, I'm here, let's do it. So I see this moose and I'm like, looking back, like, What do I, can I, you know, cut the, should I cut the motor? Because for there, you can shoot from a boat if the motor's off. And he's just like, doesn't even seem phased by it. So, (laughs) so anyways, I'm like, all right. So we go up, we go upstream and, you know, we spend a couple days. You go up, you glass, saw some, some decent little bulls. Like we saw one, like a little bullwinkle bull, real small, but paddles, kind of cool. And we, we watched this one that was a a decent width. Um, One side was paddled and one side was kind of a branch antler
1: Oh, and wow. so th-
0: these are, yeah, it was, it was beautiful, beautiful animals. These are Canadian moose, by the way, there's, there's bigger Yukon ones that'll get 60, even the, the 70 inch range and, and um, the Canadian moose will top out I mean they'll get into the sixties. Um, but you know, we were looking for something in the, probably the 50, 50 inch range. Um, so kind of saw that kind of, we're just observing for the fr- first few days. Um, and it's your glassing just all day and then you go to sleep at night. Um, <clears throat> finally, we we're, we're, we go out one morning and um, the winds shift and it brings in all that, that fire, that smoke from those forest fires in British Columbia this summer. And, and okay. everything is like orange color. Right. So it's like the pressure changes. It's foggy like I'm like it actually was I was like coughing from it. Like it just was thick in the air. Um, but, you know, the guides like, hey, you know, tomorrow it's going to be raining all night tonight. Temperatures are going to drop. They're not going to be moving around at night. I think tomorrow could be something special. That was September 10. And so going into September 11th, it's like, he's like, I think the rut is going to start kicking on. And we, we kind of knew it was coming because you'd see moose kind of like these bulls step out into the meadow. And eventually we saw the one I, I would go on to shoot, this, this big moose, come out. And he would just like stand there and like just stare, like like almost like nothing is going on like he's on screensaver mode yeah and he my guide was saying like yeah they you know this is pretty common they'll act like this when their hormones are changing and they're looking to you know really kind of jump into the rut things are changing in their bodies and so that next day we get up and normally we'd go pretty high it would take you know half an hour at least just to hike up this mountain get to this spot to glass down over the river into a valley Um, one of the just more beautiful places i've ever been And along the way up, we're like, hey, let's, let's stop partway up. You know, you can't see as far, but like it's, we got out extra early, you know, um, it just looks like money out right now. Let's just see what we see. So we go up there and sure enough, we see that little, that little peddled antler moose uh, kind of moving actually now, like moving through the, the meadow. And, and so we're like, okay, that's a good sign. You know, um, let's wait and see what happens. And sure enough, I'm like, I'm looking around and with my, my naked eye, I see, see the, the bigger bull that we ended up going after. And what's kind of funny about those bulls like that, especially when it's like rainy and everything's kind of shiny, any light reflects off these, like it just, it reflects off their antlers so well. It's like a spotlight almost. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, obviously there's,
1: there's the bull. And, um,
0: so and at the same
1: time, their, their pelt is super dark, especially like yeah, I, it just yeah. from what I've seen, like, so that contrast automatically like this super dark spot with these spotlights yeah. hitting you.
0: it's very, yeah, 100%. You see it and it's like, dang. All right. So let's think about going after it. And we were look running up to into some, some obstacles. Cause like one, you're up that high and you're looking over a swamp and from up there it looks like everything's like like shin deep like uh grass and like i don't know maybe the willows are like knee deep or waist deep and you go up there and like the ones that are shin deep are like at least waist high and you're sunken in the mud and like willows are over your head so like to sneak in on a, on a bull, it's not like you can just quietly get in and, like, get really close to it. You got to get in, find some sort of opening that you can shoot into, and try to call them into you. Um, and so we had kind of tested that on a bull we had seen a couple days earlier. Um, and it's like, man, are these are these bulls call shy? Are they responsive to calls? Uh, we had done a little bit of calling up to that point and not really seen much reaction at that point um we actually it was interesting my guide was telling me he had seen wolves in this area mimic uh moose calls and literally oh like wolves calling to moose to bring him in yeah he's like actually they're a little call shy i've seen you know actually these wolves uh doing that in the, this area which i was excited for because i had actually a wolf tag too and would have been like thrilled absolutely thrilled to um To shoot a wolf. But anyway, so we're like, we're thinking about all this, and finally we're like, all right, let's just go in. My guide was feeling confident, and I was like, from the beginning, I kept telling him, I'm like, I don't have an ego. Whatever you say, I'm just going to do it. You do this all the time. And I figure if I just listen to you and learn from you, (laughs) exactly. I'm just like, whatever you say, I'm going to do. And he's like, I'm feeling confident. Like, all right, you know, let's get in there. So we're working our way through, and it's taken forever. We got a camera guy with two cameras. He's got a tripod, and we're trying to be quiet. And it's raining, um, and we come come out. And we're calling as we go. And we what had happened is that little bull that we had seen kind of moving around, um, it had heard us and thought we must have thought we were a cow that it knew about back in the timber. So what it did was, we saw it run past us and grounds up this other cow. And another bull, like another little bull shows up, and they're just chasing this cow right pat, right in front of us. And so I'm like, we're working away, and I'm like, dang it, all right, this is, you know, this is sweet. Like, this, this is awesome uh, action, action whether we sh- Yeah, it's, it's so cool. Um, so we're working our way, and we kind of turn in the willows. These willows are just like, for anybody who doesn't know, it's like. If you go in a swamp if you're like a michigan guy and you go look into the swamp and you see all those sticks and stuff and it's like kind of like that like there's these these willows in um, alaska anyways we come around the corner and like 75 yards away ish is that branch antlered on one side pet on the other side bull and he hears us and he starts calling back so you you know you go you get that Woo! we're letting out the Woo! and so he's calling back you hear that Woo! Woo! right and so my eyes, I had to bend, like, like why? Because this is, like, as a kid, I've dreamt about, like, this interaction with a moose. Like, calling, right. calling back, you know, doing the whole thing. And so, man, I'm, I'm looking at him like, we're not going to shoot him. He's a wide bull, but he's not exactly what we're looking for. And, and, you know, this is a spot that's kind of a new area that they have to hunt. Um, a, con- a new concession for this group. And so it's supposed to be good. And I'm, I'm just going to do what he says. We're going to let this guy chill out for a bit. And so we're watching him and he's calling back I'm like, man, that blows. I don't know where that big moose went. He must've just, who knows what he did. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, like I look and I just start to see the the tip of his, his horns, his antlers coming over, over the willows and just almost like a, it reminded me of Jurassic Park or something like something's just kind of <laughs> giant is working their way through these willows. And it's like, holy cow, you know, throw up my, my sticks and, and kind of wait and he pops out. I'll never forget it. He he kind of comes out, and all of a sudden, he's just right there. And his chest, I mean, he's rutted. At this point, he's here in that other bull, and that's actually what I think called him in, the other bull calling to us. And he's kind of looking to fight. His neck is huge. His chest, I just, I, I there's an image in my mind that is, like, burned in there of just this giant chested moose. He comes out, and he's just looking. And um, I got my crosshairs right on him, and I was looking actually to kind of, he's, mostly dead on straight to me a little bit off to the side a little bit. And so I'm like, I think I can kind of an angle a bullet front and kind of come out the back. I, I shoot a 300 wind mag. So I felt fairly confident. That's enough gun for that. And it was a hundred yards. So mm-hmm. it's like, I don't want to shoot it, but if he, but I know. And like some, uh, one of my kind of hunting philosophies is like, if you got a shot and like, don't, don't hesitate. I've, I've made that mistake before. So I went in and in, like, if I've got a shot, this is a big target. I got a big gun you know, I'm steady, I'm on sticks and I'm not shaking too bad. I'm just f- dialed in. And so I'm like, all right, you know, I, I think I'm going to wait. I, I don't know, maybe not, you know, and all of a sudden he kind of does like a little twitch with his neck. And like, I think it's the whitetail hunter in me where like, I'm used to animals getting real jittery. And then it just makes me like, all right, I don't want to mess around anymore. Like I'm taking a shot. So he, he twitches. And I'm just taught something to the guide. Like I, you know, I'm clear to shoot. Yeah. So popped off a shot and like, I mean, it drilled him and he drops, drops right there, like not moving. So I'm like, holy cow, you know, I, yeah. I have earphones and I, I got some damage in my left ear. So my left ear is very sensitive to, to just gunshot noise anyways. Um, and it's, you know, I don't hear too well out of it. So I, I pull it out. I'm like, holy cow, you know. And my guide's like, rack another one. And, you know, I'm so stunned I didn't even think to do, like, the simple thing of just racking <laughs> another shell when you're shooting a 1,200-pound animal, right? <laughs> so he's gone. He, all of a sudden, this thing gets up like nothing happened. You know, he was he literally got shot and is li- not moving uh, in, in the swamp. He gets up, and I'm like, dang it, all right. You know, I forget to put my headphones in for the second shot, shoot again. And he kind of, I think it missed him. I think I, sh- I was shooting through brush on that second one. I don't know what happened to it. And then he takes another step, and I shot him. Shot him again. I two. Confir- I'm pretty sure only two confirmed hits, and that one dropped him like a ton of bricks, dead right there. Didn't didn't move again. So yeah. all that happened in a matter of like five seconds, not even. But it felt two like breaths. it was like a thirty yeah. minute ordeal.
1: Oh my yeah. goodness! Wow. And at that point too, just elation, walking up. Yeah. On. a a literal like you just said a little bit like Jurassic Park you're walking up on this giant that's just laying there moment that you put your hands on it what what was that like
0: it was just unreal it was just kind of a surreal thing because like you know as a kid I was big into like hunting magazines and like I was big into hunting right and I thought about it a lot and I had all these books and you know North American whitetail subscription and, you know, outdoor life and all of these reading, all these things and seeing. And so I always thought like, I would love to do that. There's no way in my life that I would ever, this will ever happen, you know? And so you walk up and it's like, you think that's going on in your mind, but like the thing I just couldn't like the, the biggest feeling I had was this is the, uh, such a giant animal that is like, what do I do with this thing now? It's so big. It's like a a bigger (laughs) horse. It's like a big, round horse, and his antlers are huge. His head, I could hardly, like, it's hard to move his head. It's so big. Um, so it's more like just like, I mean, you're in awe and stunned, but it's also like what, like a bunch of moose hunters that I've talked to since and before. I've said, like, the common adage is, like, now the real work begins because it's mm-hmm. like getting that freaking moose out of there. <laughs> you have to cut it up in the swamp, in knee-deep water, and, you know, try oh, to get things clean. Because there's no moving. Clean,
1: yeah, there's no moving there's it no to moving a dry it. spot. No. it is literal just that. You when you shot it, that is now. That's where it goes. Like, that's the that's way the worse
0: off. for the guy that was. With, so we shared camp with another guy, and he shot one. I think like 45 minutes earlier than us. We didn't hear each other. We were too far away, but the one he shot died in a <laughs> died in like a lake. So like oh it was like dead in like four foot, five foot of water. And, like, that, I mean, you, again, you, you have to kind of cut it up. So they're soaked, you know, they're cutting it up in there. So mine wasn't that bad. Um, but, I mean, they just, wherever they die, that's where, that's where you
1: work on them. Dry-aged steaks used to be a steakhouse-only indulgence. An old-world charcuterie was pricey due to being imported or created at a small-batch-specific scale. Thanks to Umai dry, their synthetic dry-aging bags and cases allow you to create these meat crafting treats in your own kitchen. Working in tandem with your fridge, the Umai dry bag material allows moisture and air to pass through, making it possible to dry-age large cuts of steaks or roasts. Paired with their curing and seasoning kits, along with safe and easy to follow instructions, salamis and dry sausage are well within your grasp. Use the link in the show notes and sign up for the newsletter to receive 10% off your order. Who um, I Drive, helping us elevate our wild game from the home kitchen. Gutless, me- gutless, uh, gutless method, or was it more or less take off the quarters, kind of get the gut out of him, uh, deal with yeah deal with the saddle and the rib cage in a little bit what was your approach to as you got through that hide
0: yeah we like quartered them first um peeled it back cut off the legs and then you cut them off at the the um elbow or whatever knee joints uh and just whatever you can do to trim any unnecessary weight off um and boned them out there um, actually skinned the head. I, I did a Euro mount on him, um, big Euro mount guy. I, I got a lot of hard, a lot of people gave me a hard time about not oh, really? getting a full moose mount. Oh, I'm surprised <laughs> the, the strong feelings people have about it. But I'm. A, I'm. I am i don't have any, I don't think I have anything taxidermied from me in my house. Um, there's a couple things that I would, um, and I've got some pelts and stuff, but um, anyways, so skinned his head um you know got his heart which i think i dropped somewhere i like i saved it i was so excited no no i didn't no that was a deer no i did save his heart and i actually have it in the freezer i literally have that's i'm so dumb i have four different steak packages of heart like four. the heart is the heart is like a two pound thing or something like that it's heavy it's big um so i yeah we got all the parts out um bunch of trips and and everything else got it back to camp and hung up we were there it was near the tail end of our trip and so the plan was to try to get the plane out to us earlier it was a fault plane so we were probably i don't know 50 miles from any road or anything you drive to a basically the most remote road to get to the plane to get to where we were um so you know, we figured, hey, let, we'll get this guy, we'll, we'll leave a day or two early. That'll give us some time on the road. I had to be back for work and, and everything else. And uh, the captain was delayed. We had some, it was one of those atmosp- atmospheric rivers or whatever going on at the time, and he was mm-hmm. stuck. And so, like, it took a while um, to get everything out and him to us. And then it took us a while to get out. Uh, the flight out of our camp was. A little bit rough like now i'm not a big fly flying guy and so like bush planes and all that i'm like not the part of the trip i was looking forward to and like on the way back i think well, how would it work it was like our ground speed was 50 miles an hour and our air speed was like our 150 or something like that because we're against the wind yeah i don't exactly know how that worked um And it almost, it almost happened where they dropped me and the camera guy off and they were going to go back and get the load of moose. And it almost happened where they couldn't do that third trip. So I was like, you know, my, at that point, I'm like, what am I going to do now? My half, my, you know, my whole moose is there. I'm here. But we ended up getting it all out and, you know, loaded in the truck and everything else. So fantastic trip. Actually, one side story. I tell this quite a bit. Uh, to friends, the last night we're there, and I was kind of bummed we didn't see any. I want to see a grizzly, you know, <clears throat> or is it brown bear there, Wh- whatever. Um, and so we're, you know, we have one um, one wall tent that we kind of just hang out in. We cook food, and, and me and, and the two guides and the other hunter there just hanging out, and just we're all happy. Everybody's got a moose down, and we've done what we had to do. The camera guy's like, hey, his name is Jordan. He's like, I gotta. Jordan's like, I gotta, you know, put a. Um, one of those uh, time-lapse thing camera because he's filming this is a whole film it's it's out on the internet if anybody's listening want to watch but he wants to do that to show i don't know passage of time or, or whatever for the film so he goes out and like i we hear him kind of like muffled you could hear bear 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 as he gets louder Holy it's gosh. closer and closer he had walked out turned and like you we were on a he walked out to the river or the creek technically where we were staying and he was going to put this on the creek bed and as he gets out of the trail and turns right around he sees like 10 feet away like the rump of a a bear like a big grizzly bear right there um and so like it was all chaos everybody's grabbing guns and you know we're going out there to see like get this bear out of camp and whatever else and um. Yeah. It ended up, it took off. Like I think he scared it as much as it scared him. But I was like, that was the big excitement. Like the last night excitement last type of deal. Night, there's your um, grizzly encounter. Wow. That's he cool. was close to it, man. I, he was shook up a little bit. That was that was pretty intense. I think.
1: Yeah. I I've had a couple experiences with black bear and have jo- and have enjoyed those experiences. I don't know if yeah. I'm ready. I don't know if I'm ready for big grizz. <laughs> so I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, I man. definitely. Yeah. I would definitely be shitting myself. <laughs> I would be done. Yeah. That's right. I was anyways. I don't know. I was shitting myself all week,
0: but that's totally different. <laughs> Actually, funny story about that too. One more and we'll, we'll keep moving, but we the, we spent the whole, <laughs> we spent the whole week drinking out of a uh, Creek like this Creek or this Creek is running and it's got a side, um, you know, something that feeds into it and that's fresh water. So we're scooping there. And I think, and I, I don't exactly know when Jordan, our camera guy got the wrong water, Oops. But, um, we get the, the day we fly or are flying out. He's kind of like, he's like, man, I got like cold last night. I feel like just rough. He's pale looking I'm like, okay. Uh, all right, whatever. You know, I, we got to keep moving. You, you know, I'll drive for a while. And sure enough, he had the, uh, the beaver fever and, and we stopped quite a few times in the ride home <laughs> to oh, uh, no. change his pants and to, you know, stop at the worst rest. Dude. I felt so bad for him. He was miserable. Uh, but like I said, Trooper, tough yeah. tr- champ. Like he did, he did well, well considering. So fifty hours of uh, Beaver Fever driving. Like, I mean, me and him are close now after something like that.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely good buddies now after oh an ordeal <laughs> like that. Not not only having it, but then being like, you don't. He doesn't want to hang up the rest of the trip, but at the same time, like, no. dude, this is. It, it, there's no way to control that. And it just takes one sip, one sip of oh. tainted water, and you're done. You're just done. He was, he was not good. Not in a, not, not right. So we get the, we get the moose to the truck. It's gone on the plane, the, the plane, gone to the airport, got it to the truck. How was yeah. that, pre- how was that preparation? Like we were just talking a little bit ago, like when you got it to camp and even, um, Yeah. even in the field you're boning it out you're getting to the point now where you're trying to strip off as much weight as possible so like pelt totally off um totally gone going in you're going into meat bags i'm thinking you're going into cloth bags or did you have a different route that you were going to be stacking them in this in this freezer i brought meat bags um they they had a grain
0: sacks that they liked and the idea was i mean we we kept it hung up for a couple of days and it was in the 50s but you keep it in the shade you know um just making sure flies aren't on it you know because like even the outside of these grain sacks you get you have there are so many flies that just show up out of nowhere and they're i mean they immediately lay eggs on the outside of these sacks and, and thankfully it's it's tightened enough it didn't have any issue with the meat at all um but you know that's that's kind of the deal. Um, clean it as much as possible. I spent so much time cleaning the head, the skull, because getting across the uh, crossing and portal, North Dakota, I was very concerned. Like mm-hmm. I heard a lot of people like, "Oh, you're never gonna make it. It's gonna be a huge thing to get across the border." So I went in like, "Holy cow! I'm not taking chances. I got it." You know, you you know, you clean it. You have to get it checked by a guy in British Columbia. I don't remember what it's called. Uh, like a mandatory check where they look at your skull and they just take the age and whatever else. So, did that and just kind of stressing out about it. But, um, so I spent a lot of time cleaning that skull out. So, it was um, my hope was it was just good to go, um, on the way home. And so, yeah, doing that, getting as much, getting all the bones out, um, and putting in those grain sacks. And and I wanted it to be as like structureless as possible, those bags, so that I could set them in the freezer and they could just fill up that whole space. Yeah. Um, so that was a big part of it. Just like, how do we, how do we make it that? And so we did that. We, we got to the truck and ended up, I couldn't take two of the shoulders, the front shoulders back with me. I couldn't fit them in. Okay. And so I gave one to my, I gave one to my, the guy that I was with. Cause I was like, aside from the tip and everything else you kind of do for a guide. Um, I'm like, dude, like, you, you know, he's... T- He's big into cooking meat, and I'm like, you know, you are he was awesome, such a fantastic guy, and, like, he put up with my questions for a whole week or two weeks, so <laughs> gave him a shoulder, and then uh, the bush pilot who got us out in that terrible weather, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm looking to load it in, and, he, um, like, I don't know that this is going to fit, and he was standing there, and he's like, well, you could leave it back for me, and I looked at him, and I was like, okay, so I, I left one idea. with him and left <laughs> I was like, whatever, man. I I can't bring it back with me. You didn't. You didn't let me die. And like the part that I was most nervous about was was flying. Um, and uh, so yeah, we got the rest of it back in there. You know, the tenderloins. That's what was our first meal. Um, and the heart. Do you guys have those all, on all chunks.
1: Yeah. Do you have that at camp? Tenderloins at camp. Yeah. 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 We ate
0: some of the tenderloins, Some of the part of the rump where it kind of goes the guide really liked it i don't remember what he what piece what cut it was but he says to him it's like similar cut to the tenderloin and i was like hey man you know whatever you suggest i'm going with so Sounds we good. ate that we actually we had eaten quite a bit of um grouse in the week you know to, to keep us fed like we, we stumbled into a bunch of grouse and stuff
1: but eating that meal was pretty sweet that was good That's awesome. Because then at that point, not only is it the salt and the pepper and the fact that you've got red meat, you know, that's something you don't usually get in the backcountry. But at the same time, like the emotional weight, that's the emotional system that's that's on that. You just can't get enough of it. But at the same time, you go to bed, you're exhausted, and you just had like this huge caloric intake. And now you're like, oh, I could – I sleep like a – you you slept like a baby that day, I assume. Oh,
0: that was a good night's sleep. It was a just a weird night because it's like, it's like you're in, it, like, it's such a high all day. You're all excited. And it's like, I just, this is it. We did it. You know, all the driving, uh, we got it on film. We somehow had it on two cameras running when the moose came out. If you watch the film and everybody listening checks it out, like, the camera guy did so well. Like, he got me and he got a separate footage of the moose getting shot. It was just, it was so much, so much goodness, so much to be thankful for. It's like you're laying there, your mind's kind of racing a little bit, um, but definitely ended up sleeping pretty hard that night. And you know, like I said, um, once he was down, once that kind of got settled, I was ready to to head home, see my girls, and you know, get on the road again. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. So all in all, getting this this animal all the way across the northern uh, North American continent back to mm-hmm. Michigan totally something you would do again or you know sitting right now with with freezer full i mean shoot you got that whole freezer just tucked full i I assume still now but like this is how if you're gonna do the biggest game this is how you're gonna roll this is how you're gonna roll with it i
0: think so i mean dude you like you get it all you know um and again it's it's when i first was planning it i thankfully knew a guy who had done it Christian, um, and, and hadn't talked to him a bit, but it was still one of those things. It's like, is this crazy? Like, is this, or is this just crazy enough to work? You know? Yeah. And so like on the way back, I remember thinking like, all right, the, the big thing was getting across the border. Very concerned about that. That yeah. took no time. It was immediate. Um, but then it's like, man, I, you know, everything you check it, the the generator runs the whole time you're on the highway. Um, you stop. You plug it into a hotel, and every night I'd lug the the moose skull up into my hotel room because I couldn't fit it in the you know the cab of the truck, and so you got to get it in there. You don't want anybody to steal it. So I'm like, I spent a lot of time like trying to sneak around hotels, so like I wouldn't make a casino carrying this giant <laughs> moose head with trash bags over the skull. And um, but I would do it again. And like I said, you you br- I I got home. Everything was frozen solid. I had no meat loss, none. Other than what I left behind to to the guys, Um, but so I had hundreds of pounds of meat that I spent quite a bit of time uh, processing or rough processing for you know to do stuff with later. Um, Canned a bunch of it, ground a bunch of it, got a bunch of steaks, and I'm actually in the process of um, kind of kind of honing in on a uh, uh, like a sausage kind of making you know bent that I'm on. I got like a good recipe that I I I got. I did I, I tried lamb casings the first time and it, they're very fragile and like they, they don't have the pop it was still delicious and like I tried it with a deer I shot up in northern Michigan here and it worked well we literally ate the entire deer in two weeks my family it was like every two meals a day was like it was like some of the sausage it was just good and it was easy um and so now I've kind of honed in and I'm going to try some pork casing and I've got kind of the, the spices that I like um and so I'll probably do a just a crap load of brats and um and maybe patties out of them too but yeah like i like i said i would highly recommend it um if you have a generator you have a freezer and you're you're able to stop um at hotels that's really nice but one of the nights we didn't we stopped on the side of the road and and it was cool enough where we just felt okay about it but yeah um if you can make that happen man it's it works pretty. At least it worked well for me. I, I don't know. You know, I would. I would definitely try it again if I'm doing another moose hunt, which I probably won't for a, a good while. Um,
1: I'll do that same exact thing. Gotcha. Yeah. The the idea that you had set up, I've in my mind, I've like put together this idea of like a single axle trailer that has the eight <laughs> eight foot, uh, um, eight yeah the eight foot chest freezer and these power stations that either run off solar or uh they, they're just big power banks like that was my envision like maybe i can use one of those put some of the solar panels on top but then like you said yeah when we stop you know have a have the ability to pull out a cord and pl- literally plug that thing into the wall just to keep that going charge up everything again and then do it the next day so yeah to hear that that's what well, that was your plan was literally a well, generator now you know. you, and a you, chest freezer
0: next year you are you're, you're set remember i got that deposit for you, you. like <laughs> I, you Newfoundland moose man they have more they have more moose the density of moose in Newfoundland is is higher than anywhere else it's not even a native animal to Newfoundland like they bring it in there's tons of them you're gonna shoot one right oh, wow. it's like guaranteed it's fairly inexpensive i think it was moose i think total it's like and that was i think with a camera guy like 7 8 grand total okay which Again, if you're thinking about it, man, you know, you, you get some of that... Uh, I hear something ringing. Is that me that's ringing? I think I heard Anyways, it. Anyway, sorry. Um, you, you you think of it like the cost of, like, beef. I mean, it's like I don't... I usually get a part of a cow, half cow or something, and I supplement it with deer and whatever else shooting in the year. Um, this year, it was all... I'm literally only... There's, like, a little bit of beef from my last year's cow that I didn't finish, but it's all otherwise moose so you know you can take your dream and I, I think we make it possible it seems like a hunt of war on the road you could do i would follow that man i would follow your recipes and in. your whole trip <laughs> yeah. i'd be in for that so i'm just putting a plug for you and i feel like your listeners should probably they would probably support what i'm saying and they would probably agree that i think this is what you need it's the next evolution of nick Otto and his um
1: hunt of war podcast i like it i like it i'm now <laughs> I'm now nervous cuz man it sounds so good like I got to do it. <laughs> that's the problem. You do right? to get on it's the fun. road. We'll see what the missus says cuz yeah, she'll be like, "Well, it'll be hunt of vores cuz you're going to have to tilt those boys along with you." They're That's they're right. Well, that's are- not the
0: worst thing. <laughs> the, your your boys will be better for it. Um the, the sooner you can get her get them out there, man, the the better. The better they'll be off, but very doable um and the
1: meat's fantastic. Love it. Yeah, the next thing is the profile compared to a and I know it's going to be all nuanced. This is same family. Yeah. This is venison through and through. Do you Mm -hmm. notice the nuances coming from British Columbia into Michigan? Do you notice hints of things that that pop inside that that muscle? Is it a little bit different of a texture? Be it muscle fibers? and yeah. is it all it it all it, i'm sure it i mean it's delicious it's absolutely incredible but it's, like it's got a, it's, it's got, it's some got a
0: sprinkle of adventure in it you can taste yeah. the adventure that's sprinkled in the meat um i have the taste and the um yeah we'll just say the taste of like a neanderthal so uh i wouldn't call it a fine you know you know a refined like palate that. if you will yeah uh, my palate, yeah, is not refined. Well, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, we'll say it's not a refined palate. I'm not a real discerning eater. But um, I will say it's definitely not as lean as venison, obviously, right? And the, the fat is, I think, good to eat. I saved it. Like, I, I'm going to cut it in with the burger. I cut it in with the burger, um, and it had, you know, big bricks of fat on it um, that yeah. I kept uh, for that purpose and not so waxy in your teeth. You know like venison kind of like coats your mouth, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's between deer and beef. It's like in between if there's a range, you know, where gotcha. there's like your grass-fed beef and your deer. It's like right it's, there. It's definitely. Um, it's yeah. It's even between elk and and beef. I would say even further closer. I, I would say it's. I like it a, a more than more than elk too. So. I did kill it, and it was like a big adventure. So, I mean, I, yeah. there's probably some sort of bias in there. You know, I probably will love it if it tastes like crap, but, you know, whatever. Absolutely. I also like so much of it that, like, I can't, even if it did taste bad, I almost couldn't admit it. You know, I got to just, I got a whole year <laughs> this of this whole stuff, thing so. of bringing
1: it back. You're like, I got to finish it. I got to yeah, finish whether uh, I like it or it it not. Back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, to finish us out, you were just talking a little bit how you are going to end up making a bunch of sausage that your family enjoys. Yeah. That sausage, lay out a little bit of your uh, your season spread that you're going to be putting in, the, in your sausage uh, or in your brats. What it, what is your moose? What is your moose sausage going to be like? That'll end us out. Yeah, for let our, me. Uh... Oh, he's looking it up. Right? Let me find it.
0: Um, I've got it here somewhere. Um, How do i search i actually do weirdly um i've been using uh, and a weird way to like collect my thoughts and the things that i write for work and for the fair chase weirdly on chat gpt so i'll like throw stuff in there i'll like save it there i'll go back and and i'll make things um oh i know right i have my full recipe actually um and so like what i've got is so i would do venison or you know moose or deer whatever venison pork fat what i what i did my first time around which worked really well is i had really fat bacon really fatty bacon Mm -hmm. rendered all the fat out of it and used that to kind of cut into the brats as well uh which was again it was a test run on deer but it was kind of with with moose in mind you know, some salt. I did white pepper, um, nutmeg, ginger, coriander, caraway, and then those, those, uh, kind of casings that I had. And, um, really that was it. So you run it through a coarse grinder, you mix your fat and your seasons seasoning and whatever, do a fine, fine grinder. And then you put it all through and you, you know, you throw it into, um, brat links. And, um, let me tell you, once you see how brats made, you know, once you see you see how the sausage is made, all you want to do is keep making sausage. So, like oh, I yeah. liked it. You know, I was all about it. Just to quote the the late great, you know, Dwight Schrute. You know, once you see how the sausage is made, all you want to do is make more. <laughs> so, um, it went well. It was really easy. It was very like up into that point. That was kind of a daunting. I'd never tried sausage before. I thought there was way more to it somehow,
1: and I don't know why. Yes. Um, well, it's, but it's again, just like, like it's just like barbecuing. We, we add so many extra steps. We add so many things yeah. that you have to get right just to make ourselves feel better. Like, I, I am a good barbecuer because yeah. I. Yeah. And then it's like all this other made-up stuff. Same thing with sausage making. Like, oh, but you got to get, if your percentage is off by a half yes. percent, I'll oh, throw it out. It's no good. But you're right. They've been making sausage for hundreds of years. Yeah, It, it can't be rocket science.
0: My my first batch was not fatty enough. I needed to put more fat in, and so I've kind of built out what I believe to be a better ratio uh, of pork fat. And I just picked up a ton of leaf lard from the farmers market here in Grand Rapids, um, and I can yeah we'll we'll keep testing with it. But again, like I we we did this whole deer and into sausage, and you know we ran out of links, so we just started making them into patties and just froze them. You know, yeah, thinking I'd have them all year. And then it was like, oh, we got this deer in the upstairs freezer, not like in our house, not in the garage. It's like, we just kept eating. It's like, oh, it's right there. We'll just grab another one. Oh, we'll have this for dinner. And so, like, again, two weeks later, it's like, oh, we've you make it for dinner, and then it's leftovers for lunch the next day. And then you realize I've eaten the whole deer so fast, and uh, that's what I plan on. So, anyways, yeah, we're doing more brats, and I'll, I'm going to try that pork pork casing.
1: What do you, what do you like for for casing? Um, I've done the lamb for like snack sticks. I tried it for hot dogs. You're right. You gotta be, I mean, there are some nuances. You gotta be careful with your temps. Um, one batch I did with my, with a synthetic casing, with a, a collagen casing. Um, and I think I let my mix get a little too, uh, warm because it was a real mealy, real fine. Um, versus when I did with the natural casing, I did have the snap. But like being in yeah, a lamb casing, like yeah. Being in a lamb casing, it is a little more fragile. It is a little bit more thinner than than the pork sausage. The pork is gonna get you that better snap that you're gonna want.
0: I like the snap yeah. and I felt like the collagen that just seemed un American for some reason. Like a synthetic casing. I, I need some the guts of some animal to be my yeah. casing. That's <laughs> what I felt like for my first try, you know.
1: Yep. I've done I, the, I found a, out a they call synthetic. it bung, beef bung, bung. Yeah. Beef bung is then. that's like your I thought size. bung was that's something totally thing. different.
0: I'm like I called it a bung hole, you know, as a kid, like you got, you know, <laughs> you yes. got a dirty bung hole and I I So I, like I saw the, that I'm like, wait a minute, whatever. yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so it's the large intestine at that point and they got a lot of it. That is a big animal. They work much slower than what we are. So yeah, on the the other side of that bung hole you were talking about, there's your <laughs> there's your <bung. laughs>
0: There's your see. These are the things, and I don't know why. As I was doing this, I didn't message you. Um, it's a Huge chop on my part. I I've, I've like stumbled through it like an idiot. I, I probably could have saved some heartache just
1: by shooting you a
0: text and and getting some pointers.
1: Well, hey, now you know it on your own. We all got to learn yeah. it. We all got to get our hard knocks someplace. So.
0: Well, I'll never forget the first, one of the first times you and I ever like, I mean, we saw each other at an archery shoot, uh, but you came over, we did a podcast in person with you and me and Joe and Jared, right before Joe was even on the team. It was actually, you were, you were there at the early stages where we we were wooing him to join our team and, uh, not really, but he was there and, uh, you came with a charcuterie board of stuff like you
1: made and I was like blown away. I'm like, this is the coolest thing. (laughs) I I wasn't I tell you what when, you, when I got invited to an in-person podcast yes I was a little like shoot what what do I bring like what is it like nailed I feel it like party and so yeah you bring a charcuterie board you bring you bring the hot dogs out of venison you bring pastrami I had jerky and I think I made oh I made a smoked slaw or a smoked um yeah chutney to the go on top of the hot dog. So oh, I was like, I love chutney, you know what? Man. That's what I'm going with. We're going full sell.
0: <laughs> you know what? We did that and we shot our recurves, which was fun.
1: Absolutely. You just posted yeah. that, uh, you had a, you had a post, you had a reel on Instagram, um, this, that, you know, this guy like freaking out on Dr. Phil about shooting a spike with a recurve. <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you end up getting anything with your recurve this year? Or were you busy well, at so,
0: I want to preface it to say that I normally, I don't do memes. I was actually in our team anti, anti-memes. anti I was like, dude, let's just, let's class it up a bit. We don't want to be a meme site. You know, it's not us, but you know, I'm not the only one here. Everybody's got different creative ideas. And so we've done it. And actually they always turn out great and they're a very high engagement and whatever else, you know, things, things mm-hmm. that are good. Um, so that one though was mine. Joe had sent me it and it was about, a fly fisher catching, you know, like a three inch, you know, brook trout, whatever on a fly. And I was like, Oh, that's a classic like recurve, yes, um, recurve. Call. <laughs> so I, I it was one I can actually take credit for. And usually I can, um, I didn't even take my recurve out this year. I have a a friend who wanted to borrow it and, I haven't seen it since, so I feel like it's been a hunting. The recurve has been out. It's been oh, out. It's not in my hands. Just not yeah. in yours. <laughs> you know, Tyler, you know, a mutual friend of ours, he's got one of my old ones, too. Uh, a longbow that I had, um, what is it? The um, It's a Michigan company. Shoot, uh, Great Northern uh, yeah. Fireball, I think it was. Anyways, this is sweet beautiful beautiful bow so i think he's got one too but they're out there Uh, i didn't have one in hand um i was just with the compound this year but did pretty well with that so can't complain well good deal
1: good deal well james this has been an awesome hour where can where can my folks find the moose video where can my folks again tune in to the fair chase podcast (coughs) where can we talk more with you and your co-host jared on just all things fair chase
0: yeah so um the Moose Hunt is on WTA, Worldwide Trophy Adventures, um, YouTube. But what all you have to do is if you search blazing paddles, like paddle, like a you're paddling a boat or the moose paddles, oh, blazing moose paddles, paddles or blazing paddle moose, yeah, um, it ties into part of the film. A lot of people who are, will watch it figure out what that means, but you can find it there. Um, you'll see me in front of a moose with a big smile on my face. Um we do the fair chase. So any, if you type in, well, I'll test it here. The fair chase. Uh, yeah, that's the first one. The first one that comes first thing that comes up is our website. If you look up, um, any social media platform, I think we're on, we're like on LinkedIn, even, you know, TikTok, things that I don't really touch, but it's there. (laughs) We're everywhere. Um, we're mostly active on Instagram. So if you have questions or just want to hang out or talk about hunting or whatever. We really just love hunting and talking about it and doing it and being around it. So we will respond to basically anybody. We will talk to anybody. Um like I said, we just we'd love to do it. We're happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. Uh, big fan of the, the stuff you you do um
1: and just love following kind of and learning from from what you're up to. Awesome. Well thanks James. I'm gonna send our listeners on out, so make sure you hold on there. Don't go anywhere. Well folks, I hope you've enjoyed This this epic tale that we've got a chance to just ride along with James as he's talked about not only bringing down a moose, this huge mammoth animal, but then he brought it home. He brought it to Michigan and kept as much meat as possible. If we're truly out there to make sure that as hunters that we're sustaining ourselves with our harvest, we got to do the tough things. We got to be creative. You know, modern hunting is an oxymoron. It is part of us trying to relive history, but at the same time we've got these new modern problems, be it distance, be it uh, tags, be it regulations that we now have to navigate as well. And so to hear that you can bring a moose all the way home, that is so encouraging. As someone who really wants to be able to glean as much from my harvest, if I'm gonna put the hard work in and if I'm gonna do just service to that animal, I gotta bring it all the way back to my freezer so it can be on my plates. So, hey, hats off to Fair Chase, hats off to James in making that happen. So, folks, whether you're planning out your own cross continental uh, adventure, or whether it's just dragging it from the backyard and dragging it from your back 40, make sure that the knife that you're using is very sharp.